Okay, uh, the parish is Noach. Parish is Noach. Noach is, um, there's, a lot, uh, there's a lot to talk about uh, um, in the parish of Noach. It's already been done. I mean, it was the subject of a lot of interest in the 19th century, you know, when they discovered Babylonian myths. And so there's a Babylonian myth called Gilgamesh, the Gilgamesh myth, which contains stories that are somewhat similar to the stories of the flood in the, in the, in the Torah. And so this, of course, created interest. I mean, people were interested. And somehow it ran out of steam, I think. People stopped talking about it and went back to talking about the Chumash. What we're going to talk about is the Chumash and Rashi. Shalom, shalom. You're still in Israel? Still here. Yeah. Well, that's good. It is good. <laughs> in some ways. So you know that there was a flood, and the flood lasted as long as it lasted, and then the water subsided as long as they subsided. And then uh, the story, the story that's told in the Torah begins in Perikhet. The beginning of after the flood begins in the, in the in Perikhet. And Perikhet, if you see, it's, it's, uh, it's there. Here's a seat. Rabbi Cohen, how are you? Oh, lovely. It's very excited. He's English also. He says lovely. <laughs> Only the English say that. <laughs> but they don't mean it. <laughs> okay. So the first pasuk, the first pasuk contains a mystery in it. It says, "Why Yiskor Elokim et Noach," which sounds like it means that God remembered Noach. That Noach was someplace in the world, in a boat, floating around, and God, after all this time, remembered. So, of course, it's difficult for us to understand how God remembers or forgets. It doesn't. It doesn't really jive with the way we understand or the way we think we understand about God, that God should not forget anything and should never have to remember anything. But we'll get back to that. Right? All of the different animals. So there was Noah was being remembered and the animals were being remembered. And, uh, and God made a wind strong wind go across the world which, which sort of like pushed away the water we'll see what Rashi, how Rashi explains it but let's look at Rashi now Rashi sees this pasuk and what is it that bothers Rashi what is it that Rashi thinks I mean we know the words we know what the words mean and Rashi says this this name of God is Midat Adin. Midat Adin means justice. What name is Midat Adin? 
ונהפכה למידת הרחמים, ומידת הדין, judgment, was turned around and became, and became mercy. So we know that the two primary names that God, they are used for God in the Tanakh, but especially in the Torah, are Hashem, Yud, K, Vav, K, and Elohim. Those are the two, are the two names. And so everybody knows that the first pasuk of the Torah, Breshit Bara Elohim, uh, is the name that's associated with mercy. I'm sorry, the name that's associated with din. Again, Breshit Bara Elohim is the name of God that's associated with judgment. Judgment means you do something good, you get rewarded. You do something bad, you get punished. That's, that's din. So, Breshit Baralokim, we know that in Hebrew, in the Hebrew of the Chumash, the word Elokim has a sacred meaning, it's the name of God, and it has also a non-sacred meaning. Elohim means judges. Judges. Elohim Lotekalel. Do not curse the judges. That's what that pursues. So the same word the same word means God and means judges. But when referring to God, it means God's judgment. God judges us, right? So that in this pasuk, in this pasuk, it says, Vayiskor Elohim et Noach. God of justice remembered Noach. Rashi says, Zehashem vidatadinu. This this name for God is judgment. It's harsh. It's a difficult. It's the difficult day. Midat adinu v'nebcha lemidat rachamim al yedei tefilat tzadikim, and it can be turned into rachamim. It can be turned into mercy through the prayers of the righteous. The rishatam shall rishaim. And similarly, similarly, the wickedness of the people in the world turns God from being merciful into being a, 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 a just, a God of, of justice. And he quotes a pasuk previously that Hashem Hashem saw mercy, saw that man was very bad. And he uses the the way of mercy or the name of mercy to express this idea. So what is it that uh, what is it that Rashi's trying to explain to us? What is it that Rashi is trying to explain to us? Rashi looks at the story and he says, if the people deserve to be, uh, to be destroyed, then what was the rationale for saving Noah? What possible rationale could there have been? So Rashi understands the world as being an ongoing interface between God and man. 
right? There's this ongoing interface between God and man. And the way God treats us, the way God treats us, is the way we want to be treated. That's, that's Rashi's lesson. That's how Rashi understands what's happening in this, in this story. So that Vayizkor Elokim et Noach, according to Rashi, means that there was a change. Vayizkor et Elokim et Noach. So Elokim is Din. Right? Vayaver Elokim et Noach ala'art ma'im. And then, uh, if you look... Uh, Uh, okay, so, so Rashi says, Rashi says that things can change, that the, the terrible punishment can be ameliorated. He says that's the new principle on which the world is, is being remade. So it says, Breshit Baralo Kim et that means din, judgment that the world is going to be a difficult place to live in. And that's what happened, that's what happened with, uh, uh, with the Mabul. The Mabul was the result of Bereshit Baralukim et HaShamayim et HaAretz. In the world of judgment, the people deserved to be destroyed. But the fact that Noah was going to make it, and the animals were going to make it, through the, through the flood, that itself indicates that there was a different way of looking at things. And that different way of looking at things is called tfilatam shel tzadikim, the prayers that the righteous are able to conjure up. So that prayer, how does prayer work according to this Rashi? Prayer it's not like if you do something good so you get something good, but prayer ameliorates the relationship between God and man slash woman. Like it, changes, it changes the harshness of the judgment. It changes the judgment from Elohim, harsh, to Yudke Vavke, not so harsh, not so difficult. So that's what the that's what this pasuk starts to say. Vayiskor Elokim et Noach. Vayiskor Elokim et Noach. That the fact that God remembered Noach is an act of mercy. That itself is the mercy that Rashi is referring to, and includes the animals which were there. And so God did something to put an end. To the Mabul. That's the first thing that I wanted to I wanted to point out. We know that in the continuation of the story, we know the continuation of the story, Noah sends <coughs> birds. He sends out birds. So if you look at the sixth Pasuk, right, Pasuk Vav in this uh, section here. It says, After 40 days, at the end of 40 days, So Noach opened up the window. In the teva, asher asa. What is asher asa? Was, in, in other words, making the window was an optimistic note. It was, he thought he would have a use for it. Even though God didn't tell him to make a window. 
but he thought that someday he would need the window. And so what does he need the window for? He opens up the window, Pasuk Zayin, That's what the Pasuk says. And he sent out the Orev. And Orev? Orev is a raven. Right now, I don't know if, uh, how many of you are interested in birds, but ravens are unpleasant. They are unpleasant animals. They make a lot of noise. And they are even known to attack people yeah. if, you, if you annoy them. And a good memory. What? And a good memory. They do. They have, well, for the same thing. They, they keep coming back to the same place and, and being annoyed about the same things. But if you buy a plastic one in home center and you put it in your window, they are afraid. Another raven? A plastic raven. A plastic raven. Oh, okay. In home center? Only, only in home center? I don't know. Oh, for example, it could be for example in home center. I walk. And they did a job? They've got a good memory. I'm going to do it. Because we have ravens in the morning, very annoying. They attacked my Mahotanet, who was an yeah. Knocked their thing off the window. They're yeah, they're really unpleasant. So, so here you have this. If we're talking about a, a raven, so why did he do this? Why did he Noah send a raven? Why did he pick the raven? And look at the end of the pasuk. It says, He went out, out and back, out and back, until the waters dried up. What is he went out and he came back? So Rashi says the most amazing thing. If you look at the Rashi in, in Pasuk Zion, you see it's the wide lines uh, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 lines on the bottom. 12 lines on the bottom by Yitzay Yatsov Ashov. Yatsov Ashov. Rashi says, Holech umakif svivota teva. He goes up and he, and he flies around the ark. He keeps flying around the ark. He doesn't go anywhere. The raven did what the raven wanted to do, which was to just stay around the teva to watch what was going on. And then Rashi continues with the Medrash, He was uh, concerned, he the raven, was concerned that Noah was interested in having a sexual adventure with the Mrs. Raven, or Raven girlfriend, whichever, whichever it is. So Rashi, I guess, Rashi knows that you're not going to believe this. So Rashi says, well, there's a source. I got it from Perak Chelek, in the last Perak in Sanhedrin, in the Gemara. You know that the Gemara, as far as Rashi is concerned, the Gemara represents facts. And it, he doesn't have to prove it. He doesn't have to show that the Pasuk indicates that. But the, the words in the Pasuk are Yetzova show, go out, come back, go out, come back. It's a little difficult to understand. So this is what the Medrash says 
אין בגמר חושתו ארבעה צוקו כמו ששנינו בגדת חלק. חלק is the name of the last parak of Sanhedrin, right? And then the rest of the pasuk, the rest of the pasuk says, the rest of the pasuk says, one second, Ad yevoshet hamayim mi'al ha'aretz, until the water's dried, right? So Rashi says, pshuto kemashma'o, pshuto kemashma'o. He says that they, these words are not difficult, but then he continues and says, aval medrash ha'gata, because you know that Rashi had this idea that the words of the Torah should be meaningful. And part of being meaningful is that they should be novel. They should express a novel idea. But if the Pasuk said something that we already know, so that always was suspicious for Rashi. Rashi didn't like that. And so he says, he says, Aval Medrash Agada, but we, there's another interpretation that's listed in rabbinic sources, Buchan Haya Haorev, so these words, Ad you see those words in the Pasuk, Ad until the water dried. So he says that those words are not talking about the waters that the that that were the flood of Noah. They're talking about different waters, a different drying, a different time. It's a remes. It's a remez to understand, it's to understand why, why Noah, why Noah had an orev in, the, in, in his, in his uh, uh, teva, why, why he even had one. What do you need a raven for? So the answer is, and the Orifim, the ravens, would of course bring him lechem and basar. But of course, that just, you know, increases the question. So how come the ravens brought him lechem basar? Why didn't the Yonim bring him lechem and basar? I mean, after all, there are Yonim, the Yonim who then Doach uh, 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 sent. After the rapes, it, it was like, what's Raji says, Raji says, what's going on here with the ravens? Like, who needs them? First of all, they, didn't, they were not successful. They didn't do, what they, didn't do what he was supposed to do. They didn't go where he was supposed to go. He just had suspicion, of, ridiculous suspicion about Noah and, and what was going on in the, in the Teva. So why, why send the raven? Why send the raven? So it was to remind us that the raven had some kind of function. And when Eliyahu Anavi, right, the prophet Eliyahu was banned from uh, civilization by the king, so the raven brought him food. The raven brought him food. And therefore, Rashi says, the raven is of importance, right? The, the, we have to understand that everything that was in the Teva was of some importance, including, including the raven. So now if you turn the page and we look at these psukim. You see Mulachim Aleph Perikud Zion? You see Mulachim Aleph Perikud Zion? Yes? Vayom Eliyahu Atishbi Mitoshavei Gilad El Achav Achav was the king. Right? He was not such a great guy. Even though he internally he was the but externally he was not so uh, 
חי השם אלוקי ישראל שעמדתי לפניו אם יהיה השנים האלה טל ומטר כי אם לפי דברי That's what Eliyahu said Your punishment is going to be there's not going to be any rain there's not going to be any water I mean only if I ask for it והיא דבר השם אליו לאמור לך מזה and God says to Eliyahu הנביא Leave this place. I don't want them to be pressuring you to have rain. Lech mizeh, ufanita lecha keidma, and go to the east. V'nistarta benachal krit, ashel p'nei yardain, and go to some river that's near the Jordan, right east. Go east, young man. V'yame anachal tishteh, v'etorvim tziviti l'kal kelcha sham, And you'll be able to drink water from the stream. And the orvim and the ravens, they're going to bring you food. Vayelech vayaseh Eliyahu. Eliyahu, no, he went and he did what God told him to do. Vayelech vayeshev benachal krit ashel p'nei ayardain. And he found himself a place to live near nachal krit, near this river called Krit. <coughs> which was very close to the Jordan. Jordan's a very big river. Crete was a little one. And he said, Pasuk Vav HaOrvim Mi'vi'im lo lechem u'basar ba'boker ve'lechem u'basar ba'erev u'min ha'nachal yishteh. The Orvim would bring him food. You know, it was like in a restaurant. He was like, he just said, he rang the bell and, and lunch came. He rang the bell and supper came. That was Eliyahu's, Eliyahu's life. Now we look at the Radak. The Radak is a, a well-known medieval commentary, right? Who wrote long commentaries of various books of the, uh, of the uh, Torah, of the Tanakh, of the Nevi'im, and also the Torah. Also the Torah and Nevi'im and Ketuvim, that because of some arbitrary decision that was made by the printer, generally does not appear in the Mikrot Gidolot of the Chumash. But we don't know why he made that. I mean, he could have enough room on the page, you know. <coughs> Even though you know that Art Scroll recently produced a Mikrot Gidolot. Art Scroll produced a Mikrot Gidolot. It's only, only Hebrew, not a, no English words in it. And It has 17 different commentaries vocalized. And it's actually quite nice. Quite nice. Were many years when I would find it very difficult to uh, say something nice about Art Scroll. But they actually do a lot of good things. Art, Art Scroll. They do all sorts of things that are not as good. But, uh. So the Radak, whose name was Kimchi, David Kimchi whose father was a, 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 a commentator, Yosef Kimchi, and his sons were, they came from a family, right? You know, like the shoemakers, they're all shoemakers. And the parshanim, they're all parshanim, right? Rashi didn't have any sons, but all of his sons-in-law, their children, etc. they all did the same, they're all in the same field. They're all in the same field. So the Radak explains this, right? He explains this. Veta orvim tziviti. You see that the second line in the in the radak, orvim mamash. They're talking about orvim ravens. The hemo fotas chorim. These are black uh, birds. 
וטעם ציוויתי, וטעם ציוויתי, right? Well, what does that mean? Do you think God commanded the ravens to do something? ששמתי בליבם, I put it in their heart, להביא לחם ובשר שתי פעמים ביום. They just do it. They don't really know why they're doing it, but they, you know, they sort of instinctively bring bread and, uh, and water, uh, uh, bread and, and meat twice each day. He says, you can't ask where they got this bread and uh, obviously you can. He says, you can't, right? It's a way of talking. So you can't ask that question. Uh, why does he say that? Because everybody was asking that question. They were, where did they get this uh, food from? You know, where the ravens get the food? I mean, it, it could have been cooked and prepared. Oh, so he says, you know, it doesn't say here what the Tashrus was, but it does say that it had some kind of stamp on it, the ravens. The ravens like went to the supermarket and they stole kosher food and brought it for Eliyahu and Navi. Even though idolatry was a big problem, there were still a lot of Jews who were not idolatrous and who kept kosher and were besaders, so I guess they stole it. And so he adds at the end, and this is in the Medrash, this Radaka, it's just like the Medrash more easily. And Chazal said, where did they get the food from? Well, they got the food from Achav. Who's Achav? He's the king that Eliyahu Anavi is, is, is taking a stand against. So, so it's like, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, he's Achav. He's not only the object uh, or the subject of this uh, of this situation that's created for Am Yisrael, but Achav is the one who's feeding Eliyahu Navi. Yeshomrim sheyu beviim lo mishulchanos shalachav. Yeshomrim, another opinion, mishulchanos shal Yehoshavat. Yehoshavat was the king in in Yehuda. There's Yisrael and Yehuda. Right? There were two kings. Yeshmefarshim, and this is important. Yeshmefarshim haorvim. So charim, that they're not birds at all, but they are, they, they have a, like a food truck, right? They're, they're guys with a food truck and they drive up to where Elio is and he takes out his credit card and he eats lunch. That's a way of saying, uh, saying sales. That's a way of saying sales. And the Pasuk says that Elio will hide out there and no one will have to find him. And finally he says maybe these people hid him away. So what the Radak has added to our way of looking at things is that Chazal did not all agree about the Orvim who brought food to Achav. So that means that they didn't all agree, they didn't all agree with Rashi.
But according to Rashi, according to Rashi, the Orev was chosen by Noah. Again, the Orev was chosen by Noah, right, to go and to seek uh, uh, respite after the Mabul, because the Orev had a special job in the future. We'll look at the Rashi again. Let's look at the Rashi, then we'll see. Uh, yeah. Just the, the, both the Rashi's that we saw. Pasuk Zayin. Yetzov Ashov. Yetzov Ashov. The, the Orev went out and came back. Holech umakim svivot ha-teva velo halach He did not accept this charge. He wasn't going to do anything. Because he was convinced that, uh, that Noah was interested sexually in Mrs. Raven. The second part of the Rashi. I think it's a kid with a bicycle. Right? Aval Midrash Agada Muchan Ayaha Orev Lishlichut Acheret Batsirat Kishamim Bimei Eliyahu. So, what is it that Rashi is trying to tell us? Rashi is trying to explain to us that it, you know, it didn't make any sense for Noah to send an Orev. And, and we see that the Oreb wouldn't do what Noah wanted him to do. He should have sent the Yonah straight away. He should have sent the Yonah, the Yonah straight away. Uh, the point is, according to Rashi, that the raven, that the raven had a job to do in the future. His existence was justified and therefore uh, therefore, Noah sent, sent the raven. If you look at Pasuk Chet, Pasuk Chet says, Vayishalach et ha-yonah me'ito l'erot ha-kalu ha-mayim mi'alpinei ha-adamah. And then he said the Yonah. A Yonah is a, is a pigeon. Yes? Or a dove. I don't know if there's a difference between a dove and a pigeon. I think if you come from the west side of Manhattan, it's a dove. If you come from Brooklyn, like I do, it's a pigeon. There's two kinds. What? A minor pacifist, two different things. There are all kinds of, there are hundreds of kinds. If I was a bird watcher, I would be able to speak about that, but I'm not. <coughs> the, the point is, it's very common. It's a very common bird. It's not a, an eagle or not even a raven. And it's a bird, if it was there, he could have sent it out. Uh, uh, right away, and then the pasuk says, "Pasuk Tet." There's no place for the Yonah to land. But Tasha he came back to the ark. because waters covered everything. Don't understand that part. It says he set, put out his arm and he brought the Yonah back into the... Well, he had a window and the window was open and that's how the Yonah got out. Why did the Yonah just come back in? Okay, maybe it was a polite kind of Yonah. So look at the... 
Look at the Rashi. Rashi says in Pasuk Chet. No, let's go. Let's go on to Pasuk Yud. I'm sorry. Vayachel od shivat yamim achirim, and then after another week, vayosef shalachet the Yonah minateva. It's either the same Yonah or a different Yonah. Vatavo elav a Yonah leit erev vinei aleizayit arapefiu veidad noach kikalu hamaimi al haaris. This is like a like an interesting story. Vayachel od shivat yamim achirim vayishalachet the Yonah v'lo yasvashuv elav od. So there's the raven. And now we have the third Yonah, right? Yonah number one came back. Yonah number two had this Alei Zayin Tarapafia, right? The branch was in its its uh, uh, mouth, and then Pasuk Yud Bet Vayeshalachet Yonah Velo Yisvashuve Lav Od, and the Yonah did not return. Did not return. And then there's one more pasuk. That's why I brought the chumash. It's, uh, that somehow, it must be my fault, but it's not on the sheet. One more, one more pasuk. One more pasuk. <clears throat> one more pasuk. Which is the key, actually. There's one more pasuk is the key to understanding the story, even though we have to put in a little effort. This is Pasuk Tetvav, right? We have only until Pasuk Yudalet, but I, I, it should have been until Pasuk. This is what Pasuk Tetvav says. One more Pasuk. God spoke to Noah and said, I'll read it again, skipping the parts that are that are less interesting for us. The Pasuk says, This is what God said to Noah. This is after he sends the raven. He sends three Yonim. The waters subside. After all of that, God says, Say men Say Hebrew. It's an imperative, a command, right? Say min Just like God said to Noah, go into the teva. Now God says to Noah, say min So of course the question is, and then he goes on to say, the apostle goes on to say that God says, not only you, but everybody in the teva, get them all out, get them all out of the teva, get them into the real world, into, into existence. So what was it? Why was it that Noah sent the raven and the dove three times if he was waiting for a command from God to leave the Teva? And obviously, when God says to him to leave the Teva, when God said to him to leave the Teva, he's got to, uh, he's got to leave. I mean, he's not, he's not going to discuss it. He's not going to argue with him. He's going to like it here in the Teva. I mean, so what was it? What, what is the story 
that is being told about pigeons, about ravens and pigeons and so it seems to me, it seems to me that the difference between creation number one and creation number two, remember creation number one, God created the world. And in the world, God created man slash woman in one way or the other. Right? That's the world that was created. It was created by God. Now we come to world number two. And replacing Adam Rishon is, is Noah. Because we know that in the next chapter in Noah, God gives the same directive to Noah that he gave originally to Adam Rishon. And what is that directive? Do you remember? Pru Right, just as God said to Adam Rishon, be fruitful and multiply, God said to Noah, be fruitful and multiply. God also gave him several other directives about how to treat other people, how to treat animals, how to do whatever it is you're supposed to do. Which class is this? Or do I get it? Yeah. If I know the answer. seven people downstairs waiting that I think might want to be up there. No, there's a different class downstairs. Okay. Uh, so, so, Adam Arishon, right? Noah. They're parallel. Right? God created the world over again. Right? Before the world was created the first time, what does the Pasuk say? Beruach Elohim Merachefet In other words, the prelude to creation is water. Is water. Water is non distinguishable. It doesn't have a shape, it doesn't have a form. Water, like you put it into a container, whatever container you put it into, it fills up the container according to the boundaries that are in the, you know, with the container. So that's water. Creation number two. Creation number two, there was water. And the water wiped out creation number one. There's another water. Sorry, we were waiting downstairs. Mm-hmm. But which are you waiting for? Rabbi Brahman, this is the one I'm coming. We're waiting for Rabbi downstairs. Where did you all come from? Downstairs. <laughs> That was it, that you were born there? <laughs> I mean, I, well, I've never seen you before, that's what I mean. Have I ever seen you before? I have to tell you that it's true that this year is given every week at uh, 8 o'clock. Where? This one? Right here. Right here. Except now we know. Except for this week. This is the only exceptional week. Ah, uh, it's downstairs usually. No. <laughs> it's up here at 8 o'clock. It's it's every, every week it's starts at 8 o'clock. But today it's not oh, at 7.30. Like, right. Is there like an email listing or something? Yes. I don't know if you can help me out on that or not. Yes, sure. Thank you, Robert. Okay. You run the I still don't know. Uh, it doesn't matter. Listen again. Listen again. The flood, the flood of Noah 
introduces the creation of the world number two. Of course, it didn't include creating things that didn't exist before, but it included, it was sort of a model of creation, right? Everything's covered with water, and then things kind of become, uh, become as they should be, as the water subsides, right? And then everything is, and then man, Noah, gets the commands that other Marishon received. But there is a significant difference between creation number one and creation number two. And that is that the, in creation number one, the things that were created were passive. They weren't involved in their own creation. I, I, I'm cheating here. But basically what I'm saying is correct. They were not involved in their creation. In other words, Adam Arishon, right, the first man who was created, no one asked him if he wanted to be created. Right? It's true that God discussed it with the heavenly host, so to speak. But no one asked man if he wanted to be created. Nobody asked the trees or the flowers or the grasses of the animals if they wanted to be created. Created. Creation was a one-sided process. It had only to do with God's will. True. I can't answer that question. <laughs> the question I can't answer is why did God want to create the world? I haven't got a clue. Not a clue. But you know that that is a question that the Arizal asked. The Arizal, in a book that, of his teachings called the Eitzchayim, the Arizal asks the first question that the Arizal, and very interesting, I mean, it's relevant. I'm not telling you you should become Kabbalists. I'm not even saying that I'm a Kabbalist. But I happen to know this, that that the Arizal says, why did God create the world? First question in the book that is written in his name. He didn't write it, but it's written in his name. Rav Chaim Vital, a student of the Arizal, he wrote the book. He wrote the book, but the book is there. You could look at it if you want. There are no pictures in that book. So it's a little offensive, but you know, there are such books still. So he said, why did God create the world? His answer, because God wanted to express mercy. Rachamim. Mercy. And the only thing that could not happen in a universe which was populated entirely and only by God is mercy. And so the creation of people in the world who are not going to be able to live up to the high standard as we saw in the, in the beginning, that creation, that creation was uh, uh, needed. Like somehow God needed that in order to be able to show mercy, to be merciful. And so God created, and so God created the world. So that the creation of the world was a one-sided creation. 
a creation in which God made uh, uh, the world without asking the world if it wanted to be created. Right? The only thing is Rashi says, remember that the, when God, when, when, when man was created, the Pasuk says, we will, plural, make a man. That's what the Pasuk says. And Rashi says, Rashi explains, he, this is a reflection of divine humility that God sort of consulted with the heavenly hosts about creating man. And that I always understand, I think I understand, that that means not that God acted humbly, that's irrelevant, unnecessarily, and meaningless, but it is rather that God created humility that we could grab onto. We could grab onto and use humility to our advantage. And that's why the Torah says about Moshe Rabbeinu, who was the greatest leader, the greatest lawgiver, the greatest, greatest, greatest of everything, when it had to choose, when the Torah had to choose a, a, a way of, of a cap, encapsulating Moshe Rabbeinu, the way the Torah said it was, Anav Mikal Adam, the most humble of people, because humility is the result of what your interest is. And for Moshe Rabbeinu, somebody who, for Moshe Rabbeinu, somebody who spoke to God, who was with God at Har Sinai, who, who had some kind of special sort of communication with God, who was impossible that he would, that you could imagine that Moshe Rabbeinu would care about where he sat in shul, or that he would care about whether you stood up but he went into the room or not, right? Humility is not just a way of being. It is the truth of the situation. So that when God created man, God created humility to teach us that that was the way. That was what we could do. We could try to be, we could try to be humble. But in spite of that, in spite of that possible, in spite of that, it is true to say that God created the world without asking the creation if it was interested in being created. But that was not the fact with Noah. That was not the fact with Noah because in the story of the flood, Noah becomes an active participant. In the beginning, he wasn't. God said to Noah, look, it's going to rain, get an umbrella. No, it's going to rain a lot, I get a big umbrella. No, much more than that, much more than that. Hurricane level rain, and you better get into, into the Teva, you better build it, and he did it. Noach, Noach did it. He followed orders, he had no opinion. He had no opinion. He was being reduced to nobody. He was a, not an every man, he was a no man. He was reduced to, uh, uh, to, to non-activity. He wasn't an actor in the process. All of a sudden when the rain stopped, Noah changed. And Noah said, I want to get 
out of here. I want to be part of the world. I don't want to spend my time here in the ark, even though maybe it was nice in the ark. Maybe it was like one of those Russian uh, oligarch arcs, uh, boats, where you could live forever and never get from one end to the other. I mean, I, you know, maybe, maybe all of that, but no, so no, I want to get back into the world. I want to be, I want to be part of creation. I want to be part of the creation. And being part of creation meant that this is what it says in the Medrash, that we didn't learn, but it says that in the Medrash, that Noah said to the raven, Noah said to the raven, who needs you, raven? You're not kosher, and you're not sacrificed. Right? You're not, you don't serve to eat, we don't eat you, and we don't use you for sacrifices in the Beit HaMikdash. So we don't need you. So, so uh, uh, Noah said, no, 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 in the world that I'm going to create, in the world that I want to live in, everything has a purpose. Everything can be useful. Everything can happen. And so the raven, that's what Rashi says, the raven eventually found a purpose for itself. It brought food and meat and bread for, meat and bread for? Well, Leo. 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 That was a purpose. And that was Noah. That was Noah saw that. Noah said, no, I'm going to take the raven and send the raven. Of course, it didn't work out. It didn't work out because it, things don't always work out in, real, in the real world. But, but Noah was, was attempting to be part of that creation. He was attempting. He knew that he can't, he's not going to be able to leave the ark when the waters are, are still flooding the world. But Noah said, I'm going to try. I'm going to get out. I'm going to be part of the process. Right? So that when God commands me to go out of the Teva, to go out of the ark, I will have already tried on my own to get out, to get out of the, of the Teva. He, he said, he said, mitzvot, mitzvot, commandments, things that God commands you to do, are really a way of talking about what you want to do. Right? This is what Avram Avinu learned when HaKadosh Baruch said to him, Lech Lecha, HaKadosh said to Avram Avinu, go. Go where? Next week, next week's parasha, we're cheating here. Right? Next week's parasha, Avram Avinu, God said to Avram Avinu, go. Lech Lecha me'atzecha, baletra beta vira ela, arezashera ereka, go to the place that I will show you, and where is the place that I will show you? Where? Canaan, very good. And where was Avram Avinu going before God told him to go to Canaan? To Canaan. So what was the difference between Avram Avinu going to Canaan and Avram Avinu going to Canaan? The mitzvah. It was the same thing. Very often, very often, it's not that Jews are doing something that's different, that is, that is unacceptable or unknown to the people in the world, but we're doing it for an additional reason, not only because we think it's the right thing to do in our minds, but because we think that God told us to do it. And that changes the nature of things. And so, Noah said, when God said to Noah, say min ha-teva, he was not saying to Noah, listen, I have a great idea for you, new idea, new idea, go, go. But, but actually God said, I'm helping you, not only are you going to go out of the Teva because you want to go out of the Teva, but I'm going to make sure that you understand that 
God also wants you to go out on the Teva. So that what you do, the action you do has a greater significance than you would imagine that it would have in any other, in any other situation. So all of that is what we learn from the Orev, from the raven. The raven was the animal that had no purpose, but Noah said, I'm going to give it a purpose. And even though Noah was not successful, that's sometimes the case. I mean, you know, you're not always, not always successful, but uh, and then he said, he said to Dove, Dove, but he indicated, indicated to us, learning the parasha, that he wanted to get back into the world. He wanted to be recreated. He wanted to be Adam Arishon, right, the first man over again. But to do it better, to do it a right way. And as Rashi said, the Rashi is the first Rashi by at Noah. Rashi says, it's the prayers of the righteous that could change the harsh judgment into a more pleasant variation of things. That's the world that was recreated, according to Rashi. The first world, Breshit Kim, was a world that could not exist because we were not capable of living up to that standard. The world that was going to be created later on, the word of Hashem Elohim, that God, mercy and judgment mixed together, that world could exist because, because we, can, we can recover. Right? We can recover. We can daven. We can daven. Davening doesn't mean, according to this, that you get something that you want. Davening means that you are the person who can be, can continue to live. Can continue to be part of the created world. Next week, uh, 8 o'clock, thank you. This week I have to go, I have to, go to the Shaver Brothers with my granddaughter, a granddaughter, a granddaughter. So they all told me that I have to come on time and I'm afraid of my children generally.